the breath of God. I want to talk about that today. And uh, someone has asked, do you believe in creation? Well, sure. Uh, anybody that had any good sense believes in creation. And uh, of course, there are those who say that uh, there was a big bang theory. What happened one day, there was an explosion and, and uh, this, everything was flung out into outer space and, and a little surfactant in microorganism drug up out of the ocean and, and then it got some legs and later on it got them a tail and they were dragging around so forth so on, just hanging from the trees and wrapped his tail around the tree and jumped out one day, forgot his tail was wrapped around, jerked his tail off, hit the ground and now he no longer has a tail but he's a man. And uh, so now he's sitting in a pulpit somewhere preaching. Let me say this. That is probably one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. Amen. Now, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. But I can say for that to happen, you have to, you, you, you talk about great faith, that takes great faith to believe that. But let me say this. The Bible said that God created man out of the dust of the ground. You think about the elements that you have in your body. You know, you need iron, you need uh, calcium, you need all kinds of things just to be able to live as a human being. And all those things comes from the ground. You think about that. And so when you think about man, we think about the creation of man. And the Bible said that God created man out of the dust of the earth and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Let me say this, there's much to think about God when you begin to think about God is mind-boggling. Nobody can really, if you really think about the depths of God, it'll change your whole uh, way of living. When you think about God and uh, who he is and uh, what he is. And of course there's a sad commentary in our school system today. They're being taught that there is no God. They've been taught that uh, you came from some lower form of human and you evolved into something that you are today. And I'm glad if that would be the case, I'd be glad when it quits evolving because man is getting worse and worse all the time and not getting better. And when you think about that, the Bible says in the book of the Genesis before the flood, it said the thoughts and the imagination of man was on evil continually. And it repented God that he had made man. He said, I'm going to destroy man. But then the next chapter, verse number one, said, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. When you think about man today, man is a, is a uh, triune individual. Their body, soul, and spirit. Because the Bible said, he's, God said, I'm going to make man in my image. And God is a triune God. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He's a triune God, a three-part God. And uh, let me say this. The Bible makes it very plain that when you begin to think about God and how, how uh, that God that was able to put everything together out of nothing. When God said, let there be light, there was no light until he said, let there be light. And uh, he said, the Bible said that the earth was without form and darkness on the face of the deep. And God parted everything and God made something out of nothing. Man cannot do that. You may be a, you know how to carve or whatever the case may be or even paint, but you have to have things to, to start with. You cannot start with nothing. God created everything out of nothing. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And so he talks about here that God is a spirit. He that worships God must worship him in spirit and truth, for God is a spirit. And so when you think about that, we have to understand that the, the breath of God, the Bible said that God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. You see, God has the ability to take life. He has the ability to give life. And when you understand something about God, you have to understand that, that, that God, he wants man to, to, to enjoy life. He wants a man to... And to notice something, he said that God said that I would give man life. And I, he said the way that we, that God has created us, he's created us to love the creation. And you have to understand something, we're not a bunch of tree huggers and that sort of thing, but I'm just saying that, that what God made, he said he made everything, and, and he said and God rested. He said it was very good. You think about how he made man, and then later on he, uh, he made woman, from the, from the rib of a man, 
And, uh, and, and but, but you think about how that God even put everything together. And we think about the trees outside. You see the trees outside, they breathe in carbon monoxide, they put out oxygen. And uh, we need oxygen. And, uh, and, and we have to understand that your, your body, uh, David said this, my, we're wonderfully made. You think about how that you're put together, your head, for instance, and, uh, and you think about that the, the most delicate part of your, your, your body is your brain. And God put it inside of a cage, if you recall it that, to protect it. And your heart, the heart, and, and God put ribs around that. You think about how you put together, and, and when, you're, when you're listening to what I'm saying right now, are you listening? Say amen. Amen. Okay, but you see, you're, you, you hear it, you, I'm talking, but your brain is deciphered what I'm saying. You think about that, and, and the instant that it's doing that, how quick it's doing that. And, and you look and you say, well, I'm able to see because I have eyes. No, but it's making a recording on your brain. It's deciphering what you're seeing, and it's coming across what you see. That's how God made us. He made us in His image. Mm -hmm. And you remember that in the Genesis where the Bible talks about that He put some trees in the garden. And God said, of all the trees in the garden you can have except one. And He said, the day you eat them, you're going to surely die. And we know the story how that Adam and Eve, they ate of that forbidden fruit. And when they did, they started to die spiritually. They started to die physically. And because of that, man today, it's appointed unto man wants to die, and after this, the judgment. And uh, of course, we don't like to think about death, and if we think about death, we think it's going to be for somebody else, but not for us. But yet the Bible said man is but one step away from death. And so he talks about here that God is able to give life, and of course, he, when he gives life, he said, I want you to have life, and I want you to have it more abundantly. And he said, I've come that you may have life. And that when he came, he came to, that we may have everlasting life. Understand when a person gets saved, God has given them everlasting life. The day he was born, you became an eternal soul. Really, for the saved or lost. Because you're going to be somewhere in eternity. You see, the, the, the physical, the body dies. But the Bible said that all souls are God's. They belong to God. And you either be with God in eternity or you'll be in hell for all eternity. But hell is a reality. It's a real place. And we have to understand something about God. That God, when he made man, in Psalms 139, if you have your Bibles, you want to turn over there. Notice what David is saying here. By writing by inspiration of God. Psalms 139, verse number 14. I quoted that a while ago, but Psalms 139, 14. It says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. What is, what is he saying here? He said that, God, when you made me, you made me, you, you wonderfully made me. He said that it's a marvelous work how God put man together. How that God formed man out of the dust of the earth. And he gave Adam a charge. He said, I want you to name every animal and every insect. You think about that. Okay. Every animal and every insect, Adam named them. Now, where did he get these names from? I have no idea. But he saw something and said, that's a horse. That's a cow. That's a chicken. And uh, a lot of chicken because there's a lot of Baptists. A lot of chicken. <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 but, you, but you have to understand how, how smart Adam was. He was, he was smart. But, but yet the Bible said, David said, now I fearfully and wonderfully marvelous how that works. You see, the breath of God gave, gave life to a man. And by the way, that breath that you're breathing now, it belongs to God. Mm -hmm. The air that we're breathing, the water that we drink, the food that we eat, God has given it to us. 
And you think about that, and he fashioned man out of the dust of the earth, and, and, and it, the Bible said that, that he formed man there, in verse number 7, and nothing else you read about in the scripture where God breathed into it. God did not breathe into a, uh, to a monkey or a chicken or something, but God breathed into Adam the breath of life. The first breath that Adam took was the breath of God. What an amazing thing to think about when you think about that. Here God takes dust and he puts it together and he forms that. And then he breathes into the nostrils and he became a living soul. That's the breath of God. The breath of God gave man life. He get by the way, the first thing that happened to you when you was born, guess what the, what the doctor did? <laughs> when he smacked you on the bottom, you, you took your first breath of life. You see, God, that, when you think about even about that, the day that you was born, and, you, and some of you moms are sitting around there, you can remember you look at your children. I remember Danny, my oldest son. I remember the day that he was born. I was 19 years old, and boy, I was a daddy. I was walking around with my chest all poked out, and hey, if I was and, uh, and there he was. I had his head here and his feet here. Now, okay. But it, but anyway, I, I'm just saying that, 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 that how, how the God creates. That's right. You think about that, how God creates. God, the Bible said that he made Adam a wife. He made Adam a wife, Eve, because it was going to take a man and a woman to make, to, to, to make, to, to make other individuals. That's what it takes. And how God has made all that come. I'll tell you what, when you begin to think about God and how you just can't expound on the word of God. How wonderful God is and the faults of God. Even, you know, when, when uh, Jesus was crucified, the Bible said that he crucified Jesus before the foundation of the world. In the mind of God, he crucified him because he knew man was going to sin. He knew that man was going to disobey. And there's people that are still disobeying today. And we have to understand, though, that, that God breathed and, and, and he molded Adam out of a piece of clay into a living soul. Only God can do that. Amen. You see, we have to understand that when he breathed into Adam, the temporal became the spiritual. You see, human beings are spiritual individuals. God created us that way. You can go into darkest Africa or South America where they haven't heard nothing about God and they're worshiping somebody. It's built inside of man that there's a, that we, there's some calls it a higher power. But we know who it really is. It's the God. It's God. Amen. He is that higher power that they're worshiping. The Indians would worship everything. They worship, they worship what they call Mother Nature, man. They worship the trees and the rocks and so forth and so on. And But, but see, man... He's, he's set up to, to worship somebody. And folks, that somebody that we're talking about today is God, the God Amen. of heaven. God, the God of heaven. He's made you to worship him. Yet the Bible said, for all the sin, it comes short of the glory of God. See, the problem with man is he's not bringing glory to God. He doesn't save a person just to keep him out of hell. I've said that before. He has saved us to bring glory to him. Right, Amen. And when we don't bring glory to Him, the Bible said all of sin that comes short of the glory of God. And so we see that man became, he went from the temporal to the spiritual. And today we are spiritual beings. You see, you can't get to heaven unless you come God's way. And let me say this, it's not a Baptist way. Uh, the Bible said that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. If you ever planning on going to heaven, you're going to have to come through him. God has no backup plan. You're going to have to come and trust Christ as a personal Savior if you're going to go to God's heaven. So notice if you would now, he breathed into man, man became a living soul. Then the breath of God gave power to the church. In the book of Acts, of course, you read about that. In the book of Acts, Acts chapter number one, I wasn't planning on going there, but instead of quoting it, I'll go and We'll go there and I'll show you what I'm talking about. In the book of Acts, chapter number 1, the infusion of the early church. Several things happened in the early church. It's really not for us today, but the infusion of the early church. In chapter number 2 of Acts, 
It said, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, and they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other, underline that word, other tongues, as the Spirit gave them rudders. And so he says here that that, that, that that mighty wind that came that day, it was a breath of God. God breathed the, and, and, and the church was formulated. The church that we have today, it's a formulation of the breath of God. He breathed, the Bible said, that suddenly there came uh, from heaven a, uh, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. The, the wind came from heaven. So, so it's the breath of God. The church. You see, my, Jesus said that I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Contrary to what some denominations believe, that the church was not built upon Peter. And the fact of the matter is, they said, well, Peter was the first pope. Well, according to Catholicism, that a pope is not to be married. And But uh, let me say this, the Bible says that Jesus healed Peter's wife. Now, listen, folks, you don't get a wife without getting married. <laughs> I mean, and, but uh, so he couldn't possibly be the pope because he was a pope and he couldn't be married. When, but when Jesus made that statement, he said this, who does man say that I am? They said, well, some say you're Elias and some say you this one or that and the other. But he said, but who do you say I am? Peter said, thou art the, the son of God. Amen. And he said, upon this, upon this truth, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against him. You see, he didn't build the church upon Peter. He built the church upon the truth. The truth of the matter is that Jesus is God the Son. That's right. And we have to understand that he is just as much God as God the Father. Amen. And when you think about that, we have to understand that when Jesus was 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 on, was on that cross that day it was God being forsaken of God because the Bible tells in Hebrews chapter number one verse number eight he says in verse number one said in the past time that God spoke to us through the prophets and so on and so on but today he's speaking us through his son you can go down to verse number eight he said and through the son he saith thy throne O God capital G is forever Jesus is God and because he was willing to die that day on the cross to save us, then we are saved because of God. God the Son. And then after you get saved, you have the, the Spirit of God that comes to live on the inside of you. And by the way, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God is just as much God as God the Father and God the Son. Amen. Because you remember Ananias and Sapphira, they sold a piece of property and they, they held back part of it. And uh, they bought it, laid it at the apostles' feet. And uh, Peter asked the question, he said, now, who, who had deceived you or who made you to hold back part of the land that you said you was going to give to God? I'm paraphrasing. He said, you have not lied to man, but you've lied to God. Understand that. And the Bible said here, they lied to the Holy, to the Holy Spirit. So this book says that God's a triune God, just like you're a triune human being. And we have to understand, though, the church was, you see, the church could not be built on Peter because Peter failed. He denied the Lord three times. And we have to understand that but Jesus never fails. There's never a time that Jesus will ever fail you. Amen. People fail you, friends will fail you, family members will fail you, but Jesus never fails. He cannot fail. And so he talks about it here, this 120 that was in the upper room there in chapter number 2. He gave, that, he gave that commission back in Acts chapter number 1, and ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witness unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the other most part of the earth. But then they were filled with the Spirit there in chapter number 2. But there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind, and they were filled with the Spirit. 
you see, we have to understand that many believe that the upper room is, is uh, where, of course, where uh, this took place, where they had the Last Supper with the Lord Jesus. You see, we have to understand that the worshiping God and, and the wonder of God and, and the Bible said in Sunday they sat there, they filled their ears with, with, with a promise. With the promise there in chapter number two. Because it was foretold before that actually happened. Men will receive the power of the Holy Ghost of God. When you got saved, God came to live on the inside of you. One. I told that to a, a, a little a youngster one time. He said, oh, I don't feel it. <laughs> yeah, he's a spirit. He said, I don't feel it. But let me say one thing. If you're saved, Romans chapter 8 says, He that hath not the Spirit of God is none of his. So if you don't have the Spirit of God, you're none of his. By the way, let me say this, and before I go on, and you've got all the Holy Spirit you're going to get. The problem is, does he have all of you? That's the problem today. We have all of him we're going to have. The Spirit of God. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting. The word wind there, in the Greek it means to breathe hard or to blow. The breath of God. He brought the church into existence. The breath of God brought man to existence. We have to understand that when they begin to speak there, the Bible says, and the reason I, I put emphasis on this because, of course, there are some folks that believe that, that, that tongues is for today, but if, if you look at 1 Corinthians, after 1 Corinthians 14, you'll never hear that mentioned again. And it said, it said you know, you cut the, the, the best gift. He said, and then when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. What is perfect today? The full canon of the scripture. Amen. It did say they spoke in unknown tongues. If you see unknown tongues in the Bible, the word unknown is in italics. What does that mean? It's not the original. In other words, it's slanted if you look at it. It's not, it, it, there's no such thing as an unknown tongue because the Bible said, I don't know why we're getting this, but maybe it helps somebody. Uh, we have to understand, it cannot be an unknown tongue because there has to be an interpreter. How am I going to interpret something that's unknown? And so it talks about, though, when they begin to speak, when Peter began to preach there, if you go on down that chapter, and, uh, and, and uh, talks about the people that was there that day, and, and uh, begin to speak another tongue, notice this. Well, I'm going to go, I might as well start the fight, so I might as well finish it. Verse number five. But there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noise abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. Notice if it was. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? However, and however we hear every man in our own tongue wherein we were born. It was not unknown. You say, well, how did that happen? God. Mm -hmm. It's just like at the UN, when people are sitting around with those earmuffs on, mm -hmm. this guy could be speaking Italian, or this guy could be speaking Greek, or whatever, whoever that is, Russian. But when it comes through those earphones, it comes through in the language that they hear, that they know what they're talking about. But in this case, it did have earmuffs on. When they when when they were preaching, they heard them speak in their own language. It was a known language, and of course, it gives an outline. There was there Parthians and Medes and the Elamites, dwelt in Mesopotamia, and Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia. Talks about all these nations were there, but they heard them speak in their own language. It's a known language. Now, I'm going to get away from that, get back where we are. <laughs> when a person, you say, and I, there's, there's people who believe that unless you speak in an unknown tongue, that you're not even saved. That's not in the scripture. You'll not find that. Because after 1 Corinthians chapter number 14, we'll not even be mentioned again. So if it was important, why wasn't it in the rest of the books of the Bible? 
but they desired this gift. They wanted to be able to show off. I came from the Pentecostal background. I know what they believe. Uh, I witnessed that for many years. And you have to understand this progressive closeness to God. In other words, you get saved, and then, and then if you can speak in tongues, that makes you a little closer to God. And if you're slain in the Spirit, you're even a little bit closer. If you get the gift of healing, you're even more. That, that's not God. Understand something. And when a person falls out and and uh, I was looking at one time, and Evander Holyfield was in a meeting with Benny Hinn. And Benny Hinn blew his breath on him and he knocked him down. Well, Benny Hinn ought to go out and preach and start boxing. Just blew his breath on him. And, uh, but that was all Mecca. I'm telling you, it's, it's, not, it's not of God. Let everything be done decently in order. When I was coming along, they had catchers that would catch people when they fell out. And then they had ladies that have a little blanket. The ladies would fall down. They'd put a blanket over the. If if it was of God, it would be it would be it would be decent. But understand something here. They were filled with the power of God. Filled, and you know what? That same power they had, we have it today. I've often mentioned these lights that's in this building. When we came, when I came in, it was sort of dark. It wasn't dark across to the window. But it was dark, and you know what? I had to flip that switch on back there so you can see your Bible. And you know what the problem with Christians are today? They never switch that light on. Never put that switch on. And so they live a life that's mundane, humdrum, and they don't have the power of God on their life. So we can have it. God wants us to have it. He wants us to walk in the Spirit. We won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. To walk in the Spirit means I'm controlled by the Spirit of God. That's why he says in the book of Ephesians, be not drunk with wine, whereas excess, but be filled with the Spirit. What's he talking about that? He said just like that alcohol controls that individual. Just like alcohol, that person that is a drunkard, and I know all about that, that person that is a drunkard, they cannot, cannot wait for Friday so they can do it again. Get all drunk up and hang their head over in the smoke and throwing up. Boy, I must have had a wonderful time last night. <laughs> Look into the mirror and both eyes are black and your nose is mashed and, and you have a swirl lip. Man, I must have really had a good time last night. You see, see the, the, it's a controlling. And he said, just like that liquor, like a, like a drunkard, I couldn't, get to, I couldn't get to victory over that. Couldn't. I, 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 every, every New Year's I made a resolution because Danny at that time and my other son Tony were just little fellows and I didn't want them to get mixed up in that stuff. Well, I'm going to quit, but I couldn't quit. You know why I couldn't quit? Because I didn't have the power, the power of God living on the inside of me. I was saved November 8, 1970, 15 minutes to 9. The last drink I took was November the 7th, 1970. That was a Saturday before I went to church on Sunday and got saved. See, what was the difference? The power of God living on the inside of you. See, you can, you can stop anything. Mm -hmm. For a person to say that I cannot get the victory over the sin in my life, they're saying their God is not a powerful God. Because you have God living on the inside of you. Mm -hmm. And He can help you. He can help you. We see here the breath of God. He gives life. The breath of God, he breathed the church into existence. And then the breath of God gave us this Bible that we have. I want you to think about your Bible. When Brother Tommy and I were in Bible school, we got a book which was called Manuscript from Outer Space. Remember that book, Brother? It told us how that the scripture was put together. How concise this book is. Some men have said, well, it's been translated so many times it's lost its meaning. This book, let me say something about this book. There's no other book like this book. Amen. <clears throat> when a person gets saved, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This book becomes a reality. This Bible is the only book that God ever wrote. Amen. Second Timothy chapter number three. Look at that with me. The breath of God gave existence to the Bible. 
Check in Timothy chapter number 3, verse number 16. 2 Timothy chapter number 3, verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Underline the word inspiration. Inspiration, in the Greek it means God breathed. God chose men to write this book. They were, they were moved by the hand of God. You remember when you had little children? Well, some of you remember it been so long ago for some, but anyway, I remember when, when our children were coming along. When, when Danny, for instance, uh, he started school and, uh, and he wanted to write his name, and you know how little children would do, so I put the pen in his hand. And then I took his hand and I wrote Danny. You know what that that's just like God took the took those men that wrote that Bible. Inspired. God breathed. And they wrote as they were inspired of God to write. Man could not have wrote this book. Because most people like to think they're pretty good people. Yet this book condemns man. For all of sin that comes short of God, the glory of God. There's not a righteous man that doeth good and sinneth not. Man at his best is altogether vanity. Man would have wrote that. You talk to most people that's lost, and they'll tell you, well, preacher, I'm not a bad person. I mean, really, and I know what they're talking about, and they talk about morally speaking. But as far as God is concerned, the Bible said all of our righteousness are as filthy rags in the sight of God. We can't do things righteous enough to get to heaven. Well, I preach you, you don't understand, I belong to a church. You know that Satan, there's a church of Satan now? What church are you talking about you belong to? You see, we have to understand that, listen, belonging to a church won't get you to heaven. I mean, you can join this church and not be saved, but you can't go to heaven without being saved. I've had people tell me, well, preacher, not only have, do I belong to a church, but I've been baptized. Listen, you can be baptized to every creek around here till you know all the bullfrogs by the first name and die in your head. Water doesn't save you. By the way, water doesn't wash away your sin. There's only one thing that washes away man's sin, and that's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. To try to come some other way, he said, you're like a thief and a robber. Trying to climb up some other way. It's an insult to God. God has no backup plan. There's only one plan to get you to heaven. And that's through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He breathed the Bible into existence. We hold in our hands the very word of God. For some, I mean you may have only paid a couple of dollars for your Bible. But realize the value of it. Amen. You hold within your hand the very words of God. Amen. Everything God wants you to know about Him is in this book. But one day we'll know as He has known. One day, one day we'll know all the answers to all the questions. You won't have to answer, ask God anything because He'll know as He has known. Remember years ago, Brother Harold and I used to sing a song, We're Talking Over in the By and By. You ever hear that, huh? We'll ask the question, he'll tell me why when we're talking over in the by and by. That's unscriptural. We won't have to ask no questions because we'll know. We'll have the mind of Christ. What a wonderful thing, isn't it? Amen. We see here that this Bible is written for divine intervention. It's the way that's the preserved word of God. This is not, this is not a man-written book. It's a God-written book. The first book ever written on the Gutenberg Press, it was the Word of God. First book. Think about that. God, he, it was so important to God, he wanted everybody to have a copy of it. But I've seen Bibles in the back of people's windows and they all swollen up. The New Testament looks like a family Bible. Throw down to the floor, the coffee spilt all over it. 
Uh, and let me say this. We have to understand that this book is the infallible Word of God. Amen. Infallible. What that means is trustworthy. You know the only thing that God holds above His name is this book. That's right. The name of God. Remember Brother Tommy when we read the manuscript, manuscript, before these, before these men could write, it had to be as many as three men and it had to be proofread. If they left out one word, they had to start all over again. Every time they come to the name of God, they had to wash their hands. Every time. You think about how, well, preacher, I want to say something. It's inerrant. It's free of error. There's no error in the Word of God. I've heard people say that. You know, well, this place it says this, and another place says this. I want to know what chapter, what verse. It can't be an error. If there's an error, if it's not the inspired Word of God, then the, if any of it's wrong, it's all wrong. You can't trust any of it. But notice this. It talks about inerrant. That means free from all error. Your Bible. Free from all error. God breathed this. It's in our hands. It's in our, it's in our language. You know there was a time when the first book of the Bible was written, it had a chain on it. It was chained to a podium. People would stand in line for hours and hours and hours just to read the Bible. And they couldn't stand there long. But there was lines of people lined up to read the Word of God. But now you can buy just about anywhere for just a few dollars. I believe we're going to be more accountable to God than those people that had it on just for a while. The Word of God. This book can confound the wise. It really can. You think about it. Before you got saved. <laughs> I'm going to pick on Brother Toby. Hey, Toby, how about coming over this Sunday and we're going to have a cookout? I know, I'm going to go to church. Huh? <laughs> it confines, it confounds them. How can this, how can this, how can anybody take a bottle out of me with a drunk song like me and put a Bible in it? That's God. Mm -hmm. He can change you. Mm -hmm. He changes you from the inside out, not from the outside in. That's right. It makes such a difference in your life. It's everything we need to know. It's the answer to all the questions that we have. You say, well, I like a mystery. Read your Bible. <laughs> I like romance. Read your Bible. You see, the Bible is God's holy word. There's no other book like it. Every night, I read about five chapters in the Word of God. Read, read, I read through uh, Proverbs Every, every time. Starting verse number one. Go through it for, uh, for 30 days, 31 days. Then go back to the next next one. And yet every time I look at it, it's something different. Amen, amen, amen. It's something about this book. Right. Something about this book is it's different. Now I'm going to be honest with you. I, I'm, not, I'm not a great reader. But I tell you what, I, I enjoy reading the Word of God. I prayed before and I said, God, like when my, uh, my younger son had COVID, and I mean, he just about died. And I went to, I said, God, I need a word. I, I need some help. And just the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, go to Psalms. I opened up the book of Psalms, and I'm going to say, I'm just going to look at it random. Open up it, there it is, something there that's going to encourage me and help me. Pray and ask God, God, give me something from the Word, and He'll do it. You know, a good way to read your Bible is on your knees. It is. I'm not saying that's where you have to do it, I'm saying but that's a good way to do it. Because it, when you read, then you, you can pray a while. You say, I don't, I don't pray on my knees, but however you pray, do it that way. Get your Bible and read a verse of Scripture, and if God speaks to you through that Scripture, hey, pray. Can you imagine? We as Christians, and, and we have 
the, the, the opportunity to talk to the God of gods. Amen. See, that's how we communicate with God. And that's that relationship we can have with God. When you pray, you're talking to God. And when he talks to you, he talks to you through his word. That's the way he does. And th there was a time when God spoke in visions and dreams and that sort of thing, but he doesn't have to do that. Everything God wants us to know is in these six, six books. There is no such thing as a new revelation. It's it. Go through this book here. Let this book be part of your life and, and, and read the scripture. We have to understand, don't toss it aside. Don't, listen, don't throw it out, wear it out. I like, I like a Bible that a lot of people, my wife, she marks through her Bible. There's nothing wrong with that. She's not desecrating the Word of God, but there's something in there that she likes. She'll take a, a highlighter and highlight something. You see, that's the way God speaks to your heart. When, when a person takes a highlighter light, that's God speaking to her heart. You don't see Brother Tommy's Bible. He's highlighted a lot of stuff. Wrote little notes in it. You know why? Because God spoke to him. And God speak to you. Mm -hmm. If you just let it. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a time in the Old Testament, in the book of Kings, the life of Elijah, said that uh, he was listening for God to speak to him. He said, listen, God doesn't speak in the storm. He doesn't speak in the fire. He said he speaks in a still, small voice. You know why a lot of times we can't hear from God? Because there's so many other voices around us. <coughs> you know a good time to read your Bible? Four o'clock in the morning. Four o'clock in the morning. Because unless it's an emergency, that phone is not going to ring four o'clock in the morning. Everybody else is dead. Get along with God. But 4.15 this morning, God will be up. Got in this word here. We got about three or four messages, and I said, I'd like to preach all four of them, but I don't think the people stand for that. <laughs> so I picked up the one I thought he wanted me to preach. The breath of God. Next week, I'm going to be preaching on something, Lord willing, of what we have in Christ. Mm -hmm. Ten pages. Well, I'm not coming next Sunday. We're going to be going through ten pages. It doesn't take that long. It doesn't take that long. I'll guarantee you, you'll beat the Methodists to the country hook, and if it's open now, you can say a lot in just a few minutes. Don't try to change it. Don't try to change it. These new perversions, I'm not saying versions, I'm saying perversions. Because the Bible says his word is forever settled in heaven. Mm -hmm. There's a word settled in heaven. Most of the new Bibles today, they take out parts of it. Sometimes whole verses. Sometimes even a chapter. In the back of my Bible, I have these versions of things they take out. These new, what we call new Bibles, there's nothing new about it. Satan, he's the one to start all that. Hath God said? <laughs> sure, he said. But I'll tell you what, if, if you just knew, if people just knew what these new, if you want to call it this, versions of the old If you take out anything, the Bible said that we're not to take out or add to. The work of God. I will just give you an, an instant. The Revised Standard Version. It says that it says a virgin shall conceive. The RSV or the Revised Standard Version says a young woman shall a young woman shall conceive. The young woman doesn't have to be a virgin. If Jesus was not virgin born, and he's a man, he's a sinner just like we are. But he had to be born of a, of a virgin. Mm -hmm. Okay? RSV questioned the eternal preexistence of Christ. King James says this, whose going forth have been from everlasting. The Revised says, whose origin are from ancient days. Well, preacher, I, I, that, 
those archaic words that's in your Bible. That's old. I don't understand all those these and thous. Does anybody here know what a thee is? How about a thou? You a thou. I mean, hey, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to be able to read the word of God. It's forever settled in heaven. God breathed it. The power. The Bible said this, but this word is like the hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces. You want to get a person saved? You get them under the sound of the word of God. The Holy Spirit of God will take that word and it will it will penetrate that heart. Now they may reject it. They may reject it, but he'll penetrate it. You're looking at a person who didn't even believe in God. My uncle came to me, tried to witness to me. He said, the Bible, I said, listen, James, I said, the Bible's nothing but a fairy tale for old people and children. If that's all you want to talk about, I'm not interested in you coming around me ever again. But he was persistent. He invited me to church. And I was going to do something else that day. And the fact that my uncle and the other uncle and I was going to start a little business, and so I come up to buy some hogs on Sunday. I said, I'm going to kill two birds with one stone. I said, you promised me you will leave me alone after this if I come one time? He said, I promise you. I came up here and that guy, he didn't even show up. I was going to buy the hogs from him. Good thing he didn't. Because if he did, I went back home. Boy, was I mad. I called him everything but a child of God. But you know what? When that preacher got in that book that night, Revelation chapter 20. Have you ever read Revelation chapter 20? Let's go over there for a minute. Remember, this is the Word of God. And when God says something, that's the way it's going to be. How many times have I read this scripture? How many times have I quoted it? Notice if you would, verse number 10. Revelation 20, verse 10. Revelation 20.10 And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast of the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat upon it from whom the face of the earth from the face of the earth and heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. The books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things that were, that were written in the books of life according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead that which were in them. And they were judged dead and man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Verse 15. You can put your name there in the second word. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The same breath that spoke man to existence is going to be the breath that will cast him into the lake of fire. As you read in the Bible, it talks a lot about hell. Hell is a place of utter darkness. Hell is a place of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Hell is a place of thirst. There's no mercy in hell. Luke 16, the Bible said the rich man died in hell. He lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in these flames. Abraham said, son, remember thy days you had good things and Lazarus evil. Now he is comforted, thou tormented. And beside all this, there's a great gulf fixed between you and me. And those that would come from you cannot come. Think about that. In hell there's no mercy. In hell there's no water. In hell there's eternal torment. They will be tormented day and night 
forever and ever and ever. Can you imagine not being able to sit down and rest? Could you imagine hearing screams of people burning? Can you imagine the screams that would be coming from your own mouth for mercy? No mercy. No getting out. When you go to hell, it's forever and ever and ever. You say, that's a Baptist belief. That's a Bible belief. The question today is this. Is your name in the book? Is your name in the book? It can be. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, Jesus did, has did everything he can to keep you out of hell. He brought you here today to hear the Word of God. Explain the best way I can. It's real, it's hot, and it's forever. You don't want to go there. Because of separation. I've had people say, Preacher, if I get saved, I won't see any of my friends. If you go to hell, you won't see any of them either. Because the Bible said it's out of darkness. Complete darkness. You can't even see your hand before your face. Let's be on prayer. <coughs> Preacher, I'm going to say today, I, I really don't know I'm saved. I can't say that if I die today, I go to heaven. I, I can't say that. I hope I would. Well, I think I would. But I cannot say that I know that I would. But there's one thing I do know, according to what we just read today, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to burn forever. I don't want to feel the flames of hell and, and never have any relief. I don't want to live in outer darkness. Which I'd like for you to remember me in prayer and closing. If I'd ask you to pray for me, you'd call up my name, you'd come back to me. No, I won't. You'll grab me when I'm walking out the door. No, I won't. All I want to do is to remember your face in a general way and closing. Preacher, I don't know. But I do know one thing. I don't want to go to hell. And I'd like for you to pray for me today. Anybody like that in the room? Slip it up, put it right back down, put your hand up, put it right down. I don't know for sure. Pray for me. Preacher, I know for sure that if I die today, I go to heaven. But I can't even remember the last time I told somebody about that place called hell. Preacher, I've never took the Word of God and showed anyone from the Word of God what they'd have to do to go to heaven. And my loved ones, my husband, my wife, my children, my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister, Cousins, best friend, they don't have a testimony of being saved. When was the last time you even prayed for them? I believe that no one gets saved apart from somebody praying for me. The day I was saved, my wife prayed for me that day, and my uncle and my aunt prayed for me. I'd be in hell today for what? For their prayers. Preacher, there's some, I've never did that, but I want to be somebody that can show somebody else how to go to heaven. I want you to pray for me. Anybody like that? God bless you, 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 you. God bless you. Anyone else? Preacher, I want to be a good testimony. There's some things in my life that's not right. There's some habits that I have, and I know it's not right. And I want you to pray for me. Anybody like that? God bless you. Anybody else? You, you. Father, today we are so thankful that you, as your children, we can come to you any time. I didn't see anybody's hand go up for salvation, but saw a lot of hands go up, Lord, for some things that wasn't right. And Lord, you never tell us, put it off to tomorrow, it's always today. Today, if you hear my voice, harden not your heart. Every time you speak to us, Lord, and we don't, respond to that. Lord, what happens, our hearts get harder and harder and harder. 
and one day you'll just leave us alone. Not that we'll be lost, but they just quit dealing with us if we're not willing to respond. And so Lord, I pray that you meet every need that's here today. Thank you for your love and your mercy. I pray now, Lord, that you use us to make a difference in the lives of others. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you. Thank you for coming.